Truth Espresso, episode 105. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello, this is Daniel Minnick, the host of Truth Espresso, and welcome. If you are just listening in for the first, second, third, fourth, or whatever time, we are continuing a series of episodes talking about marriage. And this is actually part two of tips for singles looking for a spouse. And so, if you want all the tips, I highly encourage you to listen to last week's episode, part one of tips for singles looking for a spouse. And if you're a single, I definitely encourage you to listen to these because uh, my wife and I, who have been married now for 12 years, hope that uh, some of these tips, which kind of come from our own experience of being married and being at one time a single looking for a spouse, we hope that these tips will help you on your journey. And if you're married, these tips can also translate into advice for marriage because if you're looking for a spouse to be a little forward looking there for what marriage is all about and back with me on truth espresso as uh, the most special guest we have on truth espresso is my sweet wife chelsea so chelsea welcome back to truth espresso thanks and i'm excited about this episode Oh, that's good, sweetheart. And I am excited to wrap up our discussion on tips for singles looking for a spouse. And so, if you remember from the last episode, if you listened to it, we started off with the most important tip, which was to start with your relationship with God. And the idea there is that if you can commit to having a relationship with God and maintaining it to the best of your ability, that will help you as you are looking for um, that special someone, that human companion. If you're a guy looking for a girl, a girl looking for a guy, uh, your relationship with God comes first, and that becomes the model for how you will commit to a lifelong relationship with a spouse. And then we talked a lot about don't look for the one. And we mean don't look for some magical one person out there that you've got to search for and stumble upon and find as if by accident. Or somehow the one is someone who there's this unique sense of love at first sight. That's not what the Bible seems to be about when it comes to a spouse, because when you find a special someone, it is someone that you're committing to, not some uh, magical spell placed upon you. (laughs) Sorry, I just remembered this old joke that for some reason Baptists really like about when uh, God created Adam and Eve and, you know, how a woman got her name. Because Adam looked up and said, whoa, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's kind of love at first sight, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I heard that one. I also heard the joke about um, when did God create Adam? Like, what time of the day did God create Adam? Like, well, we know it was in the morning or the afternoon because it was just before Eve. But, (laughs) 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 yeah, (laughs) Adam and Eve jokes are a lot of fun. And, (laughs) yeah. Yes, good discussion about not trying to be consumed or fixated on finding that one right person, but just preparing your heart and your relationship with Christ. And that's usually how a couple um, will come together and just having your focus on God and your relationship with that. And, him. <laughs> yes, we are. And speaking of Adam and Eve, you know, 
<laughs> with this particular point, it's like, um, yeah, I think uh, they're kind of the exception to this rule because <laughs> there was only one. <laughs> so hope you like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the second. Oh, okay, so what about arranged marriage? Oh, yeah, well. Does that scare singles to think of that? Well, let's see. Still thinking of Adam and Eve here. It was both an arranged marriage and a voluntary marriage and maintaining relationship with God and looking for the one and stuff. So <laughs> so these tips don't really translate to the situation of Adam and Eve. But okay. <laughs> so, yes, don't be scared of arranged marriages. <laughs> singles out there. There's, I mean, there's still people that believe in that mm -hmm. too in different religious sectors, but I think for the most part, um, just again, like we've been talking about, just making sure that you yourself are prepared for marriage and you start with that by our first point, making sure that you have a foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, yes, definitely. Amen, sweetheart there. So that was tip number two from the last episode. Don't look for the one. And tip number three was look for a permanent relationship rather than a disposable one. And so, yeah, so this is about getting the right perspective of marriage and not thinking of marriage as a temporary thing. Because the episode before that was about marriage as a covenant rather than a contract. And so, you know, a right perspective singles, if you're looking for a spouse, is to think long term, like till death do us part. And that's the whole point of marriage, not just let me just try something for a while and see how it works. So that's definitely doomed for failure. And then <laughs> uh, the next tip was to start any relationship with someone that you consider potentially a spouse by being a friend before being romantic. And I know, I think we both have seen when we're in college, as the Apostle Paul, I think it was saying, flee youthful lusts, which war against the soul. And there's a lot of just jumping into mushy-gushy stuff <laughs> and not really approaching a relationship of this kind with a level head and with long-term goals and commitment. It's more like diving into <laughs> jumping in the pool before testing the waters and <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I love your analogies. <laughs> so, yeah, taking things slowly enough, uh, making sure you're prepared by having the right perspective on marriage. That's a commitment starting off with being a friend before you introduce romance. And that was also as a precaution there so that if someone turns out not to share your ideal and want to marry you if you want to marry them at least you made a friend and you don't end up with these like deeply broken hearts and um someone you were quick to jump at into you know an enemy or something but <laughs> so yeah start by being a friend and then friendship can turn into love later on and now let's get to the first tip for singles looking for a spouse for this episode, part two. And that is, it sounds like a good first tip. Ask yourself why you want to be married. And this might seem like it goes without saying, but if you're really eager for finding a spouse, you probably should evaluate your reasons and make sure your reasons line up with the Word of God. If it's kind of like one superficial thing, then maybe you should reevaluate and be prepared to wait a little longer until you've got your reasons down pat and that they're good reasons, that they're long-lasting reasons, that they're biblical reasons. <laughs> so, sweetheart, do you do you have ideas of what are some common reasons that <laughs> singles might have to get married that may not necessarily be the best reasons? <laughs> 
I just remember when you were asking me this question earlier, I was thinking of good reasons <laughs> and deep reasons of why to get married. You're like, no, we need superficial reasons. Okay, so ready for my superficial list? Yes, superficial reason number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes singles or people are in a hard situation in their family life and they see marriage as their way to get out of that. So sometimes it's their reason to get married is just to get away or get out of a family situation. So get away from family can be a reason. Hmm. Sometimes another reason would be that they are thinking that they will be happy once they're married. Or we know some older singles too that they feel like, oh, time's running out. I just need to hurry and get married to the first one that says I love you. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that before. And I mean, it's hard to deny that that can be a strong feeling when you're older and you're like wondering, is my time running out? But in all things, you've got to think about what marriage is all about. And it can't be a hasty decision because then, you know, you could be left picking up the pieces you know holding the bag or whatever analogy you could think of the what happens when you make a hasty decision and yeah without entering into it with a sober mind and with the right biblical understanding of marriage it's not to escape something and now Sometimes it's hard to think if if someone's come from a rough situation with family there, marriage can seem like it's an escape, especially if parents are treat their children poorly. And then the child is like, I'm sick of this household. I want out. So then they end up often finding a spouse who exhibits characteristics like their parents. And so it's like jumping from the frying pan into the fire. And yeah, so a quick fix a quick escape from bad situation is not a good reason to get married. There has to be other ways of escaping that that don't have to do with tying the knot hastily. So I think just a few more that kind of go together that I know girls struggle with more is if a guy says that he loves you. They're oh, like, yes. oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to get married because he says he loves me also am aware of a person that did this too because she got married because she wanted a baby and that can be common (laughs) among girls and then the last one I was thinking that could kind of go along with a reason for girls specifically is if all your friends are getting married and then it's kind of like (laughs) the pressure's on me because all my friends are getting married where's my ring (laughs) and yeah Yeah, definitely, you know, reasons that it's like, okay, it doesn't focus on who you're marrying. (laughs) For instance, the reason about just, I want a baby. Now, having children is a good thing for sure. And in the covenant of marriage, there are some people who get married who don't want to have children. And sometimes, you know, disagreements over having children or not having children ends up leading to problems. But yeah, if someone's like, okay, I want to get get married so that I have a baby and all they're thinking of is the baby, then it's like, okay, well, what about the husband? Does he matter? You know, it's like, okay, I just want to get this thing from whoever. And so they're not looking for a father figure for that child. It's not a a recipe for success there. (laughs) So is it too early to point out the reason for these do you reason. have a few more reasons? Oh, yeah. I have okay. I, <laughs> I have a few reasons. Um, one, I feel lonely. Now, mm-hmm. you know, sure, and you get married, you have a companion now. And companionship is for sure part of marriage. But marriage isn't just about being with someone. If you're feeling lonely, you can satisfy that in ways other than marriage or a romantic relationship. And so that's another one of those, okay, you know, you get more than you bargained for with it. And if you're not prepared, if you're not thinking about the whole picture of marriage and all you're doing is satisfying your companionship fix, you know, there's more to marriage than that. And you got to commit to marriage because marriage isn't just for companionship because you now have someone that you need to care for. You have someone that now they have their own life and their own 
own characteristics and they bring to the table their own dreams and goals that you need to join in on. And so I feel lonely. That's not a sufficient reason in and of itself to get married. Genesis 2.18. Okay, so here comes Adam and Eve again, but... (laughs) For rather than as uh, the objects of a joke, (laughs) Genesis 2.18, where God says about Adam, uh, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And so God didn't just say, it's not good for the man to be alone. Let me make him a companion. He said, let me make a help me. And so the idea is that Adam has work to do. Adam has a life to live. Let me make someone to join him in life. And so rather than just companionship, marriage is all about sharing a life together, which includes ups and downs, interests, goals, stresses, joys. (laughs) Yeah, the whole kit and caboodle. (laughs) So yes, don't use marriage just to satisfy your loneliness fix. Have another Adam and Eve joke. Oh, you have another Adam and Eve. Yeah, we should <laughs> we should just retitle this episode <laughs> Adam and Eve jokes and something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So part of what influenced us to start the series on marriage in June here was we celebrated our anniversary, which was yes. twelve awesome. twelve years. Yay. Yay. And, yeah, I can't believe I'm more in love with you now. Oh, That's so cool. <laughs> and I'm, in, I'm more in love with you now, sweetheart, too. Aww. And so, yes, we got to celebrate our anniversary. So we were kind of thinking about marriage stuff already. And also, June is the um, Pride Month for mm. the whole LGBTQ debate. So, in other words, the anti-biblical marriage month. <laughs> yes. So you can probably guess where my Adam and Eve joke is going now. Oh, yeah. I'm not quite sure. You'll have to enlighten me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so God made Adam and Eve, oh. not Adam and Steve. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So God is definitely pro male and female for marriage. Yes, and then when God destroyed the earth with the flood, who was left? Um, Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives. And so, yeah, there was no Adam and Steve there. (laughs) 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 Oh, goodness. (laughs) And so, let's see. Another reason to ask yourself why you want to be married, another insufficient reason would be I need a lover. And of course, when I'm saying this, I mean, I'm not saying that the negation of it is correct. It's an insufficient reason. It's an incomplete reason. Because indeed, this part of marriage is beautiful. The the intimacy is reserved for marriage, according to the Bible. But marriage isn't just about finding a lover. It can't be the only reason. If it was, uh, marriage would not last very long, if that's the only focus, because continual sacrifice and care for the good of your spouse is part of marriage, and as you do that, that will maintain intimacy. If marriage is just based on intimacy and really what someone can get out of it without giving into it, that alone dies out. But if you are committed to the good of your spouse and really loving your spouse with all your heart, that helps intimacy to stay strong and grow so, babe, as you've been reading these reasons, and I mentioned some earlier, we can see that there's a common thread with all of these, that all these reasons are, yes, superficial, but also very selfish. They're all looking at what is in it for me. Mm. What do you think about that? Yeah, and that's, I have some verses that kind of go into that point there. Uh, Ephesians 5 25 husbands love your wives even as christ also loved the church and gave himself for it 
And mm. so there we have, as Christ is the example of marriage, you know, Christ lived the sinless life under the law. He gave himself, even in his ministry, for the good of everyone around him and for his disciples. And then he endured the suffering of the cross and he purchased the church with his blood. And then that's an example of to husbands, love your wives and just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, so if the idea of marriage is what you can get out of it, that's not the biblical definition because the biblical definition, the example of Christ is giving yourself for your spouse. And then verse 28, the Apostle Paul says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So there you go. Let's cut it off at the pass there. You know, if you're just thinking of marriage as something you get out of it, well, think of anything that you might want in life. You know, okay, you want to be cared for. You want security, finance, whatever. Intimacy just what do most people want to get and then think of okay now marriage is about giving that (laughs) doesn't that kind of remind you of a toddler in some ways like okay i want this give it to me now and then all of a sudden it doesn't appeal to them anymore. So they start throwing a fit and a tantrum and they throw it away or <laughs> back out of you know what they were wanting in the first place. I don't know. It just reminds me of toddlers and they just don't understand that the world doesn't revolve around them yet. And of course, for a toddler, that's developmentally appropriate, mm-hmm. but for singles and adults approaching marriage with that same mindset is very immature, I guess, in some ways too. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's like once you become an adult and you, I know to use this term, adulting, <laughs> like, okay. Oh, are you a Gen Zer? <laughs> a Gen Zer? I thought even millennials use that term, but oh, oh yeah. But oh, yeah. Uh, adulting on social media, you know, where people are like, oh, I have to do laundry. Uh, oh, hashtag adulting, you know. <laughs> yes. Single guys out there, if you learn how to do laundry, (laughs) that will be a bonus for your future spouse. Oh, yeah, which I overlooked in my notes as one of the, I guess, the last reason (laughs) uh, that people will give for getting married that's insufficient is I want someone to take care of me. So it'd be like, okay, if you're a guy and like, I want someone to do my laundry and cook for me and basically be the maid. Yeah, be be the housemaid and stuff. And it's like, okay, wives often end up doing more of that than husbands. But, you know, it shouldn't be kind of like, okay, you know, I want someone to do all of that for me while I chill. (laughs) Husbands should learn to do cooking, cleaning, laundry, you know, (laughs) to help out their wives too. And I'm not being some liberal egalitarian by saying that either. (laughs) Well, I think you're right. It's kind of a two-way street Mm -hmm. there with responsibilities because a lot of times wives can struggle with the same thought too. Like, okay, I want to get married, so I'll have a guy to take care of me. And then saying that stay-at-home moms are lazy, of course, (laughs) I'm a stay-at-home mom, but um, I think, like, you have to have the right mindset. Like, sometimes women are like, okay, I get to just stay at home, and I've actually heard quite a few neighbors say this, like, my husband works, I get to stay at home and drink wine all day because I drop my kids off at school, and then I get to relax, and Mm. I just think that women can struggle with that same mindset of expecting to be taken care of as well but it just looks different (laughs) so yeah just being aware of not being selfish when pursuing a relationship yes uh, amen sweetheart because then if you enter marriage with the idea of i want someone to take care of me here's the question what if something happens and you end up being the one who has to do uh, the work or the caregiving A lot of people in the world would just say, oh, well, then I just walk out and 
annul the marriage or get a divorce and find greener pastures. And like, you know, we looked at marriage as a covenant rather than a contract. And that means you're pledging your life as Christ laid down his life for the church. You give your life for your spouse. And, you know, if things turn out not to be as rosy, you know, you made the marriage vows in sickness and in health. Till death do you part. That's what marriage is all about. And if that's not your intention of getting married and you're thinking you want an easy out or you want, you know, you're thinking that everything's just going to be as if it's guaranteed and planned that you get this particular thing out of marriage and you're not even thinking about, well, what if I can't? You know, you're not looking at marriage biblically. <laughs> And as the disciples, it reminds me of uh, when Jesus was giving the definition of marriage um, and quoting Genesis 2, and the Pharisees asked him about, uh, you know, could someone get divorced for any reason? And Jesus is like, ha ha ha, no, (laughs) basically. (laughs) But, you know, he mentioned the bill of divorcement for the hardness of hearts and unless it's for unfaithfulness. And And then his disciples, not the Pharisees, but his disciples said to him in Matthew 19:10 if the case of a, the man be so with his wife it is not good to marry and so Jesus had to school his disciples about <laughs> what marriage is all about so even even the disciples of Jesus fell prey to the idea of marriage as you know what you can get out of it not what you uh, give into it Okay, so that was ask yourself why you want to be married. That was tip number one. So let's move along and try to get through these other tips. Uh, Tip number two, put character above all other outward traits. (laughs) Oh, that's a good tip to bring up. Yeah, it's, I think it's a very important tip because, you know, if you were to watch your typical Hollywood movie, <laughs> even if, you know, a lot of times there's so much going on in the movies where people aren't even married, and that's a tragedy there. And, you know, you have the flippant relationship, shacking up, living together, intimacy outside of marriage and stuff. But then it seems like with the Hollywood idea of marriage or even relationships in general it's all about physical attraction (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong you know if you want to marry someone most likely you want to marry someone you have a physical attraction for but as i said with the other tip it's superficial if that's the only thing you know and you find that you're more physically attracted if you also maintain your marriage and care for your spouse. And as I said, intimacy grows and physical attraction is also maintained if you're thinking of the other and not just yourself. I think this also kind of goes along with our previous point about having a friendship relationship before romance because Mm. I think the friendship stage of it is where you see someone's character And you can kind of minimize or not dwell so much on the physical attraction part of it because you're in those group settings. You're kind of more of a standby watching type of position in a friendship to where I think you can see more of the character come out. And again, like we talked about being in different situations where you can see some of the character traits come out as well. Yeah, so above mere physical attraction, characteristics like honesty, integrity, caring for the needy, caring for others. If someone that you're interested in can't tell the truth, (laughs) doesn't regard truth as a virtue and is prone to deceit and lying to you... (laughs) That kind of uh, relationship is not going to last. Like, how could you marry someone that you can't even trust, who could be underhanded, cheating, you know, behind your back? You know, it doesn't matter how much physical attraction there is. There, There is no union that way. 
And I know last episodes we already mentioned the um, things like how someone handles uh, things like games. You know, are they sore losers or sore winners? <laughs> if someone can handle a game uh, and be delightful about it, that is the kind of characteristic that you want in someone how they treat other people as you mentioned you know if you're constantly having to deal with jealousy because the person that you're interested in is flirting with other women if it's a guy of course (laughs) or a girl flirting with guys or if they're not focused on you but just (laughs) fleeting with their feelings why would you pursue a marriage with that person because then you're just staring divorce in the face there so i think there's really great passages that we found the other night when we were talking about some characteristics in a spouse and we were looking at first timothy and titus oh yes uh the apostle paul's qualifications for bishops and deacons and really (laughs) those qualifications aren't really just for bishops and deacons paul's basically saying if someone wants to have this office they should have maturity in their christian life and so you know someone who's a faithful husband and takes care of his family raises his children to love god is not a brawler it's obviously not someone who's can't handle his own anger issues you know that if someone struggles with anger you know and isn't trying to maintain it but just thinks this is my personality deal with it you don't want to be married to a brawler <laughs> like in Titus 2 I think is has some good insight for women and like what men should look for in a future spouse so Titus 2 says the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So I think these are some good characteristics things that women should strive for and also what men can look for in a woman. And these are some of the things I was trying to point out when you're in different situations, you can see some of these characteristics come out. How does the girl interact with children? How does she take care of the home environment? Does she help cook? Does she help clean? Or, you know, you go to their house and she has no idea where the broom is. <laughs> or I don't know. I mean, there's different things that you can see come out and kind of get to know that person and start to see some of these characteristics that the Bible talks about that may come out. Yeah, and you mentioned some of those, like, doesn't know where the broom is or stuff like that. Now, you know, there are people who are kind of raised in a city life where they haven't learned some home skills, but the idea should be that if a woman wants to be a wife or even a, a guy, you know, who, who should contribute to household chores and stuff, the willingness to learn because that becomes part of the marriage relationship there. And so it's not just, oh, you know, you have to have all these skills before you're married. Right. You know, some people don't, but the idea should be, you know, if this is needful, where do I start? How do I learn? Help me. I'm willing to take this on. That was one thing I really appreciated about the high school curriculum my mom used. It was a unit study based when I was homeschooled, and it really challenged me to think about being prepared for marriage and for being a mom. So it incorporated a lot of basic skills, like learning how to plan a menu, learning how to budget, learning how to prioritize tasks for the day, how to make a school schedule, just different things. Um, how to do meal preparation. There's a lot of stuff in there that really kind of helps prepare you for that time. And I think that that's something that's kind of lacking nowadays in our culture. (laughs) Everyone just seems like, oh, the parents just 
take care of everything in the house, then they are not really teaching their children how to actually clean or how to cook or how to do things. So then the kids are growing up and they have no idea how to run a household. And I think that part of that is a fault of the parents, like not taking that time to train their children. And then also once you get old enough, I think that some of that's your responsibility to be like, okay, yeah, I do want to get married. How can I best prepare for that time? Let me learn cooking shows or let me learn basic sewing or different things like that just to prepare yourself because I just think that that's something that would be good. Yeah, so sure. And you mentioned things like budgeting and planning and stuff. It's like, yeah, years ago, it seems like, you know, high school, it was planning you learn things like home economics and planning for a family. And yet now today, it's just like, okay, all the high school shows with their high school soap operas. And then everything's just about, okay, the next step is college. And then in college, it's just about a career. And the, and still like, unless you're taking a, a major that teaches you the, the math or, you know, the idea of managing a home or managing money is just like, uh, just teach people how to embrace a career and earn money for themselves and and not really think about okay you know how do i get married how do i start a family how do i take care of someone else how do i raise children how do i you know <laughs> there's so much you know self-centeredness now with the the culture today but put character above all other outward traits that is our tip number two as Proverbs 31, verses 30 through 31 says, Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. And so there's the idea of a, the virtuous woman there. It's virtuous, not just in outward appearance, but even for kings here in Proverbs 31, the idea of a king, what a king would search for for a virtuous woman is someone who's not focused on her outward appearance but is focused on serving and helping other people and that's what marriage is all about serving and helping one another not yourself and <laughs> or like first corinthians says that love is not self-seeking or not love oh, yes. does not seek Seek is not our own yeah. yeah so not self-seeking or self-serving and that's what love is so if you're seeking yourself <laughs> it's not love it's just lust yeah. Okay, uh, tip number three, don't expect to change bad behavior. <laughs> and so, yeah, this seems to be a, a classic. This is not necessarily a reason for getting married, but it's a tip for singles on when they're looking for a spouse. You found someone you have some attraction for, but then you find out, Oh, there's some serious red flags, but oh, we're so in love. That's all that it's all about is just the feeling of love that we show for each other. And sure, he's an alcoholic, but we're so in love. I'm sure I could change him. Why wouldn't he give it up when he knows I don't like it? Or she's had a hard life. That's why she was a little loose with the guys when she was younger. She found me and knows I'm committed with my love. That will all be behind her. <laughs> you know, so the idea of, ah, oh, there's some serious character flaws or addictions and stuff like that. But we love each other. So that love conquers all. And I can change him or I can change her. And yeah, so, so here's the question. Do you think that wedding day is going to <laughs> build the bridge between bad behavior and good behavior? Do you think someone, once they're married, they're going to change their behavior? What do you think, sweetheart? <laughs> oh, I know. That's so sad that people fall for that lie that people can change because of marriage. And the wedding day or just even the commitment of marriage does not change that person. That person can only change him or herself. And 
they can only do that with the power of Christ in them. So I think that putting that on yourself to think that marriage is going to change him, then that makes you feel responsible for that person. And if they don't change, then you're going to blame yourself for, oh my goodness, why is he not changing? What's wrong with me? And it has to be on that person himself to change. And again, through the power of the Holy Spirit to actually change them. Yes, definitely, sweetheart. And like, okay, so if you're going to marry someone, you're marrying a spouse, not a child. (laughs) So, you know, like if you're a man seeking a woman, you're not marrying her to make her your daughter. If you're a woman seeking a man, you're not marrying him to be a mother to him, to make him your son. Yeah, you're you're two adults, and two adults should um, look after each other and be willing to give up their own problems before marriage. (laughs) That's what marriage is all about. You're committing to the good of someone, and (laughs) you don't marry someone hoping that their behavior will change, because if you're willing to marry someone with red flags and addictions that they refuse to give up, how is marriage going to change that? Because you're essentially, you know, giving them what they want without any cost. And so it's, it's kind of playing into it and setting yourself up for some severe disappointments later on. And then you're going to often the problems that arise of people end up blaming themselves for it. Well, which of course, if you went into marriage thinking you're going to change someone, sure there, there is that issue there, but then you end up blaming yourself for the other person's problems. And, um, (laughs) marriages are not built to last on thinking that you can change someone after marriage. So the way you get them is the way you're going to keep them. Keep that in mind. I remember even hearing that a couple, they were advised from a Christian counselor that they were having some issues about ready to get married, and the counselor said that their issues would be resolved once they got married. And I just found that really interesting that a Christian counselor would actually advise them about that, and that, okay, marriage does not solve the problems because the problem is inside of you and again it's like that heart issue so trying to resolve it before you get married and if it's not something that you can solve then just having um, that grace and that insight to postpone it or even to call it off because you want to make sure you are marrying for the right reasons and the right expectations. Yes, definitely, sweetheart. It's like marriage is not a magic wand that will turn a frog into a prince. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, okay, and if we're thinking that the wedding day, you know, is some kind of magical thing because you have the cake and the dress and stuff like that, that that changes people's hearts. You know, weddings, you know, that's all about celebrating what's going on. You know, all those wonderful things like the cakes and the songs and the 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 wedding dress and the tux and the all the fixins there <laughs> and the family and friends gather together to celebrate you know what are they celebrating they're all there not just for those things the all those things are to celebrate the vows <laughs> and that's what the wedding is all about is the vows making the covenant commitment and that is something to celebrate you know so marriage the wedding is not about those things and how wonderful those things are those things are wonderful because it's celebrating the vows that people are going to make to serve each other so you mean true love's kiss doesn't change (laughs) everything and make everything perfect Or turn a frog into a prince yeah. or wake up a, <laughs> a wake up a sleeping beauty or <laughs> yeah. or like gets rid of all the bad things oh, I'm trying yeah. to think of all the different movies where <laughs> yeah. it's like true love's kiss resolves everything. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. So like a kiss can a true love's kiss can wake up a sleeping beauty or can eradicate red flags and bad behavior and addictions <laughs> and yeah. That would be nice if that were true, but it's not true. So don't think you can change bad behavior with marriage. 
The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Now, this is talking about unbelievers and believers uh, trying to do religious things together, but the example there, the point would hold for the union of marriage and two things that conflict with each other there. If they're diametrically opposed, you can't resolve them with a union. (laughs) And now, quickly, the one uh, final tip for singles uh, looking for a spouse, which probably encompasses a lot of the other tips. Know that love and marriage will take work. And I don't mean work planning for the wedding, (laughs) which that does take work. And I I know, sweetheart, you you put a lot of work into planning the wedding. And I basically just, yes, (laughs) yes, sweetheart, I don't know. I don't know how this all works. You got it figured out. (laughs) 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 But uh, what I mean is that the wedding day is the start of a lifelong commitment and so instead of being whisked away into never never land or um you know that everything is like just a fairy tale afterwards and i I mentioned before like the whole idea with the one making it like it's a passive relationship like you just got to find the one and then everything is just easy peasy passive from there marriage takes work because it takes commitment and know that you know once you get married and you're sharing your life with um you know you're a sinner saved by grace and you're sharing life with another sinner saved by grace and with a fallen world with pain and suffering part of marriage is that you go through difficulties together and that's what makes it beautiful but you know that there will be challenges and difficulties and the whole point of marriage with the commitment with the covenant with the vows is that you are committed to enduring everything and by the work for marriage is like husbands if you have a job and you know you have the temptation to take time off from work for frivolous reasons that stops with marriage. You've got to commit to doing your job well for the sake of your spouse, for the sake of your children. Have a work ethic. Continue to love your wife and write her cards, give her gifts, uh, find out what makes her happy, what will give her joy, what will soothe her soul when she's down, and do it. And for girls, women, just being a support to your husband and helping them through encouraging words or um, letting them know how thankful you are for all the work that they do for you and just all the sacrifices they make. And I think having that thankful heart for your husband also brings you and him closer together and it helps you to have a good attitude towards your husband and also a respect for your husband as well. And just his leadership and all the different things and challenges that he faces daily and doesn't complain or takes them and bears them on his shoulders and doesn't bother you with them because he knows that that could be hard for you to hear. I mean, there's so many different things that our husbands do for us and just acknowledging that and really encouraging our husbands, I think, is our responsibility as women. Oh, amen, sweetheart. And, you know, so as marriage takes work, when you're married, it's for life in that you realize okay we both are going to get older together and you know even as you get older that can introduce some challenges too and so <laughs> in marriage there you're you're also thinking about okay how do i care for her when i'm older the idea is that it's always going to continue to take work you know even if you're <laughs> you know crawling around <laughs> Oh, oh, no. oh, I could cut that out. <laughs> and so as you're, you know, you get older together, so as an older husband, 
you still love your wife. As an older wife, you still love your husband. And I know we've been using the word work, but to me it's almost like when you are committed to each other and you love each other, that it's not work like you think of hard, physical, strenuous, like (laughs) dreading it type of work. Commitment. Yeah, it's Um, like it's enjoyable, but not being complacent and just, okay, we're good. We're just going to cruise here. Put but, everything on cruise control. <laughs> letting the embers die out. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, even things like, okay, say if a couple are prone to getting into arguments, the the idea of marriage taking work is like, you don't just like, oh, well, I've got to win this or whatever. You know, how do I come out on top? It's like, okay, how do we resolve this? And then how do I, you know, if I said something to offend her, you know, how do I make that up? <laughs> that will be a good episode to do, like oh, yeah. conflict resolution. Oh, yes. I've heard quite a few questions from people about that. <laughs> And so singles know that love and marriage will take work. It takes commitment. And that's why this tip is to keep in mind as you're looking for marriage, looking for a spouse, to know that, you know, it's not a quick one-time thing. It's not just the wedding day. It's not just a temporary relationship or a fling or something. You know, you're looking for someone for life and know that you're willing to put in whatever work, whatever you need to do to maintain, um, to please your spouse for life as you're younger and as you're older and whatever needs they have, you're committed to meeting them with all love. And <laughs> I was just thinking of a verse to conclude with, if you want. Oh, sure. um, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. And just thinking about singles out there being patient and just waiting on God's timing for marriage, for a relationship, and not trying to rush it or feeling like you have to get married before a certain age or whatever, but just really waiting on God and His timing and that it's usually something beautiful when you wait on God like that. Yes, definitely, sweetheart. That that's an excellent verse, you know. So marriage is indeed beautiful if it's in his timing. And so if if you try to make it in your timing and in haste, that's a recipe for disaster. But as a single, if you're looking for a spouse, seek a spouse in the will of God and be patient and know what marriage is all about, know what's in store for you there with marriage, and and it will indeed be beautiful if you follow God's uh, way as he's prescribed in his word. And so that's part two. Uh, Some more tips for singles looking for a spouse. Uh, We, uh, Chelsea and I, as husband and wife who've celebrated 12 years of marriage, hope that these tips are helpful for you and that they've got you thinking and digging into the Word of God. And, And stay tuned for more episodes on our series about marriage. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 